welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, today we're talking to one of my favorite people. <laughs> so why don't you introduce today's guest? Yeah, so we're very privileged to have Dr. Martha Lou Stewart with us today. Welcome, Dr. Stewart. Thank you very much. We're so excited you're with us and a longtime colleague who is now spending, I think, what, a little more time at the beach. Would that be accurate? Yes. <laughs> yes. And good for you. Well, we miss you deeply. And so we'll just kind of get started. We know you have so much great practical advice for our amazing teachers who work in our with our kids across beautiful communities in this country. And we're so thankful you're willing to share some of your expertise. But I'm going to start with... Um, a question about your wonderful years here at UCF. And I'm just curious, what would be the proudest moment that you could reflect on now that you're spending a little more time enjoying life uh, past UCF that you might share with us? Thank you, and thank you for having me. I know both of you very well, <laughs> and I'm honored and privileged to know you both as friends, as scholars and colleagues. I, I thought a lot about that. I've been asked that several times since last August. And so I've come to the conclusion that that is not for me to determine, but I can say that I tried to bloom where I was planted and that I did my best to elevate the conversation in a number of areas. And that I strived hard to lend a voice for children and families from underserved, under-resourced and underfunded communities. There's a scripture now, colleagues, that I often modify, uh, and it says, others before me planet, I watered, and it's my hope that countless persons could reap the benefit. And I, I think I think that that well encapsulates what you've brought to the profession, uh, Martha, and probably one of the things um, as a colleague that I, I could literally feel from you is this desire to truly make a difference, not, not in higher education, but, but for children. So we share a, a real passion for those kids who, as you mentioned, are, are underserved. Um, and these days, when we think about kids who are coming from all kinds of backgrounds, we think of the word resilience. How do we how do we help teachers understand resilience and the need for resilience so that they can best serve kids of, of all backgrounds? I want to address that from the lens of lived experiences. I have in the two semesters that I spent at a quote, high needs school in Central Florida, I noticed something called developmental resilience. So, so I had to find out what that was. Um, I took a look at the entire school. I saw committed faculty, I saw staff, I, I saw team members, I saw the area support, I saw efforts to increase the level of family involvement colleagues. But, but, but what I also saw, the need for a multidisciplinary approach for working with children and their families who have experienced, the term now is early adverse experiences. So there's so many things that, that come to mind. In addition to that multidisciplinary lens, 
It also should include healthcare, um, while at the same time appreciating the need for self-care for those that are entrusted with their care. Um, that's such a critical need, especially in the first three years of an educator's professional journey. I saw the need for mentoring programs. Um, I also saw the need for time for collaboration and planning during the school day. Saw the need for early childhood accredited programs. And more importantly, I really saw the need for early intervention. Um, finally, colleagues, and I feel very strongly about this. I believe and I witnessed that positive school experiences coupled with a positive, safe out of school experience can make a life changing experience. It takes a village. It takes faith-based organizations. It takes support groups. It takes community centers. It calls for bike paths and pedestrian paths where children and youth can play outside and they can learn through experiences such as turn-taking, using their words, and appropriate social skills. Neighborhood libraries sometimes are the most underused resources in some of our neighborhoods. And these are just some, some of the thoughts that, that come to mind. I love that. And I love how practical and how meaningful that is because I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I know all of us have had the privilege of being in, in the beautiful, rich, diverse schools that, that we have a passion for. And, you know, I think of uh, one teacher, uh, and I know you'll really appreciate this, Martha, that, you know, went to her community and said, my second graders don't have bikes and that's not okay. And so getting everybody a bike change their lives and you know it wasn't a hard thing because lots of people were like yeah i can buy a bike um so i love that concept and i know one of the things that you have done so well over over your your beautiful years in higher ed is really help those novice brand new teachers understand the richness and to really help prepare future faculty doc students to work with those teachers so i'm kind of curious in all your uh, pearls of wisdom, what is uh, some practical advice you might say to those new teachers that are out there that are just starting their careers in our beautiful underserved communities? Uh, what's, what's some advice you might share to start them off with that positive uh, Martha Lou Stewart passion? I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> wow, what great questions. I would say to them, and I have said to them, those who have been privileged to teach, then in all likelihood, your first job is not your last one. It may not be your top choice, but every day that you walk into a schoolroom, be the best prepared that you're capable of being. I would say to them, you are the model and you need to own it. I would say to them to show genuine care and concern for all people. Basic things such as learning how to pronounce a child's name, learning something about that child's culture and community. I am big on community asset mapping. Do your own community asset mapping. 
don't be afraid to fail. Build upon a child's interest and find that interest as crazy as it could be in and outside of the classroom. You would be amazed when a child comes in back into your classroom after a weekend and you tell them how great they did on a spelling bee. Oh, I, I saw you involved in, in the food truck. I saw you volunteering. I was there too. Did you see me? And I, I saw you, man, you really made a nice play uh, when you played that other team. So find something about that child and build upon it. It works every time. It works every time. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I have to say that gave me goosebumps. I'm just going to tell you, it was great advice. It's, it's great advice and definitely um, something that, that we can all do. It's actionable. We appreciate that. Um, my final question, Martha, um, you, you are an impact player. You're someone who, who made a career out of turning your, your passion uh, into your career. So where, where does one... Where does one go to figure that out? How does somebody take what they're passionate about in terms of serving these kids? And it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if I'm a faculty member, a teacher, like Lisa said. Um, how do I take my strengths and my passions into underserved communities as my first step? Let's say I, I, I'm, I'm building a career. I share your passion. Um, what's my very first step? Knowing yourself, finding out who you are, including your strengths, including your biases. I mean, bias is supposed to be a bad word. It really isn't. We all have them. Acknowledge who you are and build upon your own strength. I would also say Go outside of your own comfortable comfort zone. I mean, it just uh, it just appears that people would believe because I'm a person of color that I can work with all children of color. No way. I had to learn how to do this. Um, start with basic things within your own venue. For example, can you volunteer without it being considered for credit. Can you volunteer in your no, your local church, your local synagogue? Can you volunteer a local Head Start? Can you just volunteer? There's so many venues that you can volunteer at, at our university. I still claim it as my own. There's so many opportunities and our ex-ad department, our issues, our interests are so diverse. Just talk to somebody and just don't be afraid to get up and meet people and tell them, find a mentor, find a mentor that you would not even think that could be your mentor and just ask them, I want to do this. How do I go about doing it? Ask them the same question that you've asked me. I continue to learn colleagues. I continue to evolve. I'm now in a very rural area in Polk County. Um, the needs are different from quote urban needs, but wow, just on my street, I see beautiful children. I've got all kinds of books <laughs> that I want to share with them that's still in my trunk. 
So here again, bloom where you're planted. Find an opportunity to do good and just get out there and do it. Well, beautiful advice, and uh, we, we could keep you all day because uh, your pearls of wisdom are, are definitely beautiful uh, to share, but we'll, this will be the, my final question. And I just know that you have been at a national level, a local level, a state level of thinking about how to impact our underserved communities. And, and I'm just curious your vision for the future. Uh, what do you see, what would you like to see occur in the future aligned with both your personal work, but also just in your area of passion? What, what, what should we be looking at in the next five to 10 years if the world happens the way you hope? If I am hearing you correctly, or let me, let me change it to, <laughs> to something that I, I think um, that I'd like to see happen. Um, those those communities that I described previously that, that, that holds a key to my heart, I think they would continue or could continue to benefit from the university expansions in the downtown area. Uh, so much that when we look at the major milestones at our universities, the downtown campus would rise to that top. So I'm not done yet, colleagues, give me a moment. That area, would be a hub for transformation. That area, the downtown area, could be an area where revitalization would not be a code name for regentrification. That area could be a model for affordable housing, for top-ranked schools in the neighbor neighborhood, for clean air, clean water, child's understanding of voting rights and that their parents and their grandparents would have equitable wages for all citizens and that that is a dream deferred that is my dream deferred and i pause because i i know when that campus opened at UCF downtown, it, it was a pinnacle moment in your life. And then we, we saw the world change from the pandemic. So I know that, that that dream didn't quite get to where it could, but I do hope that your vision comes true because I know you did plant that seed and water it um, over your life career here at UCF. And there's plenty of communities and urban areas that could learn from your wisdom and we, we look forward to hearing more from Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Vice versa. Thank you. And if you have questions, you can post them on our Facebook page or you can tweet us at Access Practical. Thank you again, Dr. Martha Lou Stewart, for the privilege of talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day, colleagues. Thank you. <laughs>